I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. TF3 and it's the first of the quarterfinals. Tonight, Adam and Dave were doing the live stream on TFR, so let's talk with Chris. Chris, welcome. Good evening. USA, USA, where are you? Where, where are you? I'm, I'm on the very tip of uh, Florida in, in Key West, as it's called. Wow. Uh, enjoying the time on the beach? Yes, essentially, when it's when it's not too hot, because it is absolutely roasting for the most part. I'm sorry, did we drag you back to football? <laughs> no, there's, there's a nice little, uh, there's a, a brief siesta, I think is the word in between so you've managed to to sandwich it in nicely good i'm glad of that and uh, of course you you're sort of recovering post uh, copper america now i expect a video on youtube fairly soon on that with chris but uh, chris let's get down to euros first of all portugal have just gone through on penalties against poland uh, enough of the alliteration let's get down to the game uh the Basically, Portugal fielded the side that I imagine most people would have put together at the beginning of the tournament, or certainly at the end of the last game with Sanchez starting in midfield, Ronaldo maybe the sort of dropping deep, but definitely much more prominent striker position. Um, and, you know, it, it seems like this, this Portugal team has got a bit more of a rhythm to it now. It, it does. I think Sanchez has done a fantastic job of, as not only integrating himself into the team, but then also taking on the, the burden of dictating games and, and leading the ball forward. I also think there is a beautiful harmony between Sanchez and Carvalho, who, largely because of the position he plays, will not get as much credit because it's it's the type of sweeper who just cleans things up, gives it back to the other players to move forward. But I think that's the, the takeaway from, from this game for me is the, the harmony and the beauty between Carvalho and Sanchez, who who are two very young players that I think have, have at least got long-term international futures, no matter what happens at club level. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I mean, they, essentially, they were also very key to this game, weren't they? And, you know, I, as much as people are sort of calling it a boring one-all, I think that there were quite a few things to take away, especially for the side that went through. But a brief word on Poland, because, you know, obviously they've, that's a crash out of a tournament on penalties. They clearly identified what the issues were with Portugal, which is to get at the back line, get it to Lewandowski because they're not going to be able to mark him in the same way as the other teams have. 
and I think t- tonight they're going to be a little bit disappointed with how they executed that, aren't they? Because Portugal, I think at times, were there for the taking. They were. The, the defence, I think, will forever be the issue with Portugal in this tournament. Cedric is the one to kind of blame in terms of making a mistake at this point. Pepe is someone that we can list off a ream of instances of him making mistakes yeah. um, and losing his head. It's... Every this is the thing. Every team in this tournament has a sort of speak weakness that we identify when we do previews, when we all do this kind of thing. The glaring one for Portugal, I think, in some ways, relative to how strong the midfield and attack is, has to be that defence. Um, because Jose Font is a relative late bloomer, and as I said, the Pepe is, is not the most composed um, at the at the best of times. Even the fact that during parts of this tournament they've had to play. Uh, Vieirinha at fullback, and I think today they used Elisao, who, for my money, is not a defender by trade. If I remember correctly, if I'm thinking of the, the right guy, he's actually more of a, a midfielder um, first uh, rather than a, a left back. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of gone through the, this, that Fabio Contral uh, timeline, if you will. Um, whether he did what Contral did and, and watched reams and reams of DVDs of the best left-backs in the world. Um, we don't know, but he's he's certainly not a, a natural left-back, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, Chris, Poland have now crashed out of this tournament. You know, Lewandowski on one goal. I think he's been quite frustrated at this tournament, marked out of the tournament, essentially by sides who sat deep and then just put a man on him. Um, but, it, you know, tonight, I think we, early on, it felt as if Poland you know, their game plan was coming to fruition. I and mean, it felt at one point like we would see more goals from Lewandowski or at least from the space that he was creating. Poland disappointed to go out at this stage? I, I think so. I mean, this is the this was the, the curiosity with them to begin with. Were they just flat-track bullies um, in their group and their qualifying? Because they had Gibraltar in there and, and that was certainly something I think that played a, a large part of Lewandowski's scoring um, being so high. I, I, I do I, feel I don't a bit sorry I think they were. I think they, a lot of their players sound quite crude by name, but I, I think there's a lot of intricacies to that side, aren't there? I mean, you know, Krajovac in midfield and Blasikovsky just outside him. You know, Pichek's been fantastic during this tournament. Milik, I think, has, uh, you know, a lot of people will probably have been uh, familiar with him before the tournament, but he's definitely put himself on the next level during this tournament, for uh, at least in terms of visibility. So that there is there is something there for I think for them to, to yeah, take heart from. The the thing is they're not they're not on non quantities. Um, no. obviously Lewandowski is the star, I think that goes without saying largely because of who he plays for. But the names you mentioned there, add in there Zelensky who I think has come onto the scene slightly glick. Um yeah. oh, glick, yeah Fab- of course. Fabianski, Pizchek even to a lesser extent, Grzycki, who gives that team the, the balance down that left-hand side. The, the issue, what I was alluding to there was, they had, I think, the best goal difference in qualifying of all the teams. Yeah. And Lewandowski himself had 13 of those. But six of those came against Gibraltar. And I think when you're trying to, to analyse these situations going into the tournament, that context helps because... On the one hand, you're saying, wow, that's a, an immense goal difference. They should do really well here. And in fairness, they have. The, the problem you've got is can they break down teams with a bit of extra quality to them? And, and I'm 
I just wasn't sure going into this tournament if uh, Poland had that because while their team was very balanced, it was very functional, I didn't know if it had the ability to adapt. And I think if we look at this tournament, the teams that are perhaps impressing the most, in the case of Italy, it's a team so well drilled that its its tactic or its style is now impossible to, to actually stop and inhibit. Whereas those who aren't quite on that level of fluency yet, they need a little bit of a, a versatility to them and an ability to play somewhat different. Otherwise, they themselves come up into problems and, and troubles. Mm. Well, Poland march on through with what seems like better structure, something where the players seem a bit happier in their shape. Should we talk about the penalties really quickly? Ronaldo taking the first one probably wishes he'd chosen to take the fifth in this one. But some great penalties in there again, Kristen. Yeah, well, that's the, the funny thing you said there yourself. You know, Ronaldo, he took the fifth one for Real Madrid in the Champions League, decided to take the first one this time. I, I do wonder if that was him actually making a point. Being a, a little bit selfless and trying to set the team up on a, a good start because it can so often be about momentum with penalty shootouts and, and the pressure switching from one side to another. There is, I guess, a beauty in saying that as Ronaldo takes the first, Charisma takes the fifth, you have the two kind of golden boys of, of that sporting uh, generation who, at one point, the discussion was who was better, uh, Ronaldo or Charisma. Seems quite and, clear to me. We don't even need to say his name. Well, well, that's the thing. That was that was the debate that Manchester United famously had on their hands many years ago when they were trying to decide whether to sign Ronaldo or, or Charisma, um, which one is better. And if I remember right, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. He used to be the assistant Portuguese. Uh, Carlos Queiroz. Carlos Queiroz, thank you. Uh, he made the decision to, to go with Ronaldo and the rest, as they say, is history. And, and obviously Nani as well, who came in the yeah, time. Again, I mean, that's the thing. There are those three prominent teams in, in Portugal. It's difficult to look past sporting in terms of production to the national team because you have William Carvalho in there as well, who is a sporting graduate. But I think in, in general, the penalties were were very confident, very well put away. The standout for me personally was, was Sanchez's because not only was it quality, it was just the way he seemed to manage the situation and the emotions because he's got his first international goal to begin with. Again, is is really walking in on new experiences with every passing day at this tournament mm-hmm. and every time he takes to the field. And yet he he had arguably, I think, the most self-assured of, of all the penalties, including Poland. It was definitely, um, I mean, it was definitely the... Um, yeah, he absolutely smashed it. Yeah, that, that was kind of my my gut reaction when, when I saw it go and was that is a, a brilliant penalty. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure, if, you know, we, we have Bayern fans listening and any Bayern fans in general, I, I imagine they can't wait to see him put on their shirt because already he's he's starting to to look like something special you obviously have to temper that with he is young there is growth there is peak and there is trough yeah obviously uh, but you'd also imagine that under a manager like Carl Ancelotti and within a side where you know technically they're fantastic he will learn well, you can't you really can't fail to learn a lot there can you and especially with with such an almost family feeling around the club um, but at the same time, such a big side. Uh, Portugal go through. Be interesting to see who they face in the next round. Oof, it's getting good now, Kristen. Obviously, they face one of Wales or Belgium. We'll talk about that in just a second. First, a little word on England. Chris, uh, obviously, we had that in-depth discussion the other night about where England go immediately after the game. Have you heard anything since that you particularly want to add to that conversation? Not drastically in the sense good. of... Um, <sighs> The talk of Jurgen Klinsmann settles me slightly. 
I mean, there, there are headlines that the players would like to go for someone who's not English. But I, I wonder if that's more because they've seen the options that are English and sort of gone, well, we can only really go for someone who's not English. Yeah, I, I think for me, the, the debate is not nationality. It's, it's not rooted in uh, that. I think it, it genuinely has to be rooted in what their intention is. And, and I say that because for me, the, the issue with Roy Hodgson in isolation, because I think there actually are a lot of permeating side issues that need to be taken care of. The fact that one of the selection panel described himself as not a football expert in Roy Hodgson's press conference unsettles me slightly. Relative to Hodgson, it was a defensive coach who said this month, in fact, in June, uh, systems don't win you games, players win you games. Yeah. And, and the truth is, you look... Not in Italy. Italy, of course, have made that statement look a pathetic one. Even at club level, he is incredibly off-trend and off what is the modern way of thinking. Isn't that also just very unusual in the first place? Because it's sort of like, you sort of feel like turning around to him and saying, why are you putting these two things at a, at a polar opposite that they're they aren't they're sort of if anything you're supposed to marry those two together and look at how best the individuals that they have become a team and you'd argue i mean you really argue that's exactly where he failed with england um exactly um i I, th- I think i think my other concern with him is as well that um and i talked to someone about this this morning he seems to needlessly break up what could be very good links um, to, to borrow a FIFA analogy, if I can. Chemistry, when you yeah. when you build an ultimate team, the the lines between the players sorry, I'm not using technical terms mm. influences the overall chemistry of the team. In relation to the England team, it should be Harry Kane with Deli Ali off him. He played over 20 games like that for Spurs and recorded good statistics off the back of it. He even showed he could do it against Turkey. Yet for some reason, Roy Hodgson saw fit to name a three-man midfield with Rain, Wayne Rooney in there and Deli Ali on the, the right of that three. Those are the kind of decisions that you just left yourself wondering kind of, how has he come to that conclusion? And and look, I appreciate he didn't want to give the press conference. Um, I mean, that, that was a bit of a ridiculous move overall. I mean, it, it really was a terrible piece of PR, however you look at it, and needless, essentially, wasn't it? It was. It, it was very poorly run. Um, I, I think this is the, the concern moving forward, though, is that seeing certain members of the press, I think Martin Ziegler was one, actually had a, a brief exchange with him on Twitter about it. The fact that some of the English press are championing Jurgen Klinsmann because I see a lot of the same issues with with him. It, granted, he hasn't come out and specifically said, oh, this is all about the players and not the system. I also see just very broad similarities between the two and, and it was at the point where I said to to, to Martin uh, that actually if you swap out Roy Hodgson for Jürgen Klinsmann the only thing you're getting is a change of accent rather than a change of intent and style that's and, and that's, that's to me is a, a concern because uh, it makes me think that maybe other people are thinking that way too. Yeah I also think then that crosses over with the way that the, the FA have treated certain people and the way the press treat certain people. So Stephen Gerrard's uh, article the other day uh, you forgive me, I can't remember which paper, but he was basically saying, you know, the, the players and the mentality, you can see how that's, uh, how the, the, the dynamic of that is wrong over a tournament. And so many players are worried about crashing out of a tournament and those sort of things and how that can change and how that, that's a, that's a cultural thing. And I think that those, 
there's often not enough nuance to the conversation um, because a lot of people are busy. I think, like you said before we started the podcast, looking for one cause and that's sort of becoming the one thing. Um, but it definitely stifles creativity within the squad. Um, and, you know, obviously what the way that Sterling has been covered over the last few days uh, seems sort of, if not borderline racist, um, and obviously, I also find it difficult because, you know, I, I think some, the Daily Mail's article where they just personally attack each of the players, Wayne Rooney for his hair, uh, Wilshire for smoking, all these kind of things. Um, it, I, I don't quite understand it. I don't quite get it. I don't get why you want to needle people in that way, um, apart from to sell clickbait. Um, I, I think the, the one objection I would say is that the Wilshire smoking one like I can kind of understand because yeah, it relates but, 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 to physical health and, yeah, and I understand that and, and you know that's fine but don't put it in the same article as uh, you know Rooney uh, and, it, and his hair because you know I think that's a very personal issue in the first place and one that mm. is you know it's not really publicly relevant he, they also put that information alongside the fact that he's broken up with um, his ex who he has two kids with and sort of you know, now he's engaged someone else, and they're sort of like, "Oh, here's another reason that England crashed out. Here's more reasons why." And you sort of think, "Well, again, not really." But you know, you're drawing those lines, and now we can't unsee those lines, and that becomes problematic as well. I think um, it, it does. I think that I think what you can say is is that the likely publications that are putting those stories out are not known for running pieces that say, well, here are the tactical deficiencies that stopped England from preventing... No, but the problem is, Chris, those sort, of people, those sort of people do influence Brexit. So you'd sort of worry what people think, you know, if, if people take uh, sort of notes on them, of them on serious issues, imagine what sort of public consciousness they can, um, they can oh, negotiate for themselves elsewhere. And that's um, one of the issues. That's one of the, I would say, the, the myriad of issues that, that England as a nation has to sit down and say, okay... This is influencing the team. When you have the likes of Steven Gerrard, who isn't involved in the setup anymore, telling you that when they can see the goal, their first thought is how people at home will react to this relative to the media, that is a concern. That means that you, you are putting too much of a negative spin on things, which is not to say pull back, but maybe reconsider how your coverage is, is dictated and, and with what. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Kind of avenues you go to first. I, well, yeah, I also think that goes down the route of um, you know, sort of editorial, and I think editorial has very much changed. Uh, you know, the, it, 
it's very difficult not to sound like the good old days when you have this sort of a conversation. But I definitely think editorial lines have changed. And I think people, um, you know, it's very easy to go towards hyperbole on these sort of things. But, and is it, hyperbole is also, I, what's weird, Chris, is I also believe that there are a lot of people who kind of rip off opinions and have begun to sort of have faux intellectual conversations, maybe like I, I might be perceived to sometimes. And, um, it's, you know, this stuff almost becomes hyperbolic in the way that people construct it, doesn't it? Because, you know, everyone's sort of saying, well, there's there's areas of grey, and then we just agree on that, but no real conclusion is made. So I think we're all agreed it's Sterling's headlines that are the issue. Um, it's not. Uh, Brexit, uh, Gove, move on. Uh, but Chris, Ibrahimovic has landed... He has. Um, I, I, I said I did the rumor rate with with TFR the other month I and said did, mate. for for me it was a a five Latans out of five to use the the traditional scale, if you will. Um, it, it makes the most sense for him at this precise moment. I think he's he's done the Spanish league. He's done uh, the French league. He's done the Italian league. I don't think Germany would offer him what he wants to begin with. Um, I think England not only can afford him financially, it then presents a chance to to maybe even silence people that used to doubt him um, and have voiced those doubts on a on a fairly regular basis. So it makes a lot of sense, I think, for for me. Um, in terms of Manchester United, you know, there's talk. I think that Mkhitaryan is next. That Pogba is potentially next. It's it's them. It's them kind of gaining their vitality back. I think it's it's them gaining those big names that, that we so often associate with them. Um, yes. Uh, I kind of agree with that. Bashwai could be on his way to uh, Chelsea, Chris. Um, interestingly, obviously there's headlines coming out about how Spurs missed out on him. No one seems to be talking about how Crystal Palace missed out on him. Um, but he, he seems to be on his way towards Chelsea. Yeah, that's that's the thing. He's had a, an interesting career rise from Standard to Marseille. I'm not fully convinced he's worth that kind of figure um, I also think the striker market will be massively inflated this, yeah. this summer anyway because there's maybe not that wealth of potential candidates to begin with um, but I think as you rightly say no one's talking about the fact that Palace are missing out on him but I give Palace credit for being incredibly ambitious with their their uh, target yes their, it, their bid well, it, is, it is sort of interesting isn't it it's almost like fake it till you make it they sort of thought well you know we might as well make the bids even if no one's coming here in the end, we're being included in those conversations. I imagine that, you know, within Europe, when people see that, then they go, oh, they're now in that conversation as well. No, exactly. That's, that's the thing with the, with the TV money being what it is. Um, you're then kind of, you're kind of, you're trying to use that to engineer what is another echelon up from what you usually buy. And I think Bacciari represents that. Um, but then also he's in the, the French market, which I think makes an easy transition from England in general. So, Just not for pounds and euros anymore. Yeah, up until two weeks ago, yeah. it seems. Um, if it's actually been two weeks, with, I have no idea how long it's It feels it's like two been. weeks. I think it's been more like five or six days. Um, so yeah, I, I'll be curious to see how he handles Chelsea because it can be, a, I find, a different, a, a, excuse me, not different, a difficult place for a striker to go. Yeah. 
Uh, Crystal Palace have apparently bid, though, for Andrew Townsend, 13 million, Chris. Yeah, so he, he's got a, a release clause. That's that's what's facilitated this one. And everything that I've I've heard to this effect is that he will go. I don't think you can, can blame him too much. I, I sense that maybe part of this has been influenced by Roy Hodgson's departure ever so slightly because there's a bit more of a guarantee of national team time under Roy Hodgson. Um, but also, I think... Look, yeah, he, that went well. Well, this is, the, this is what you can say about Townsend. He came in, he did kind of what was expected of him, and, and I think performed very admirably in a side that was all but destined to go down from the minute he arrived anyway. Um, and Newcastle will, will get, I, th- I think, pretty much what they paid, uh, paid in return for him anyway. So there's nothing to be too upset about. It looks like they're going to sign Matt Ritchie. That one's all, all but done now as well. So... Again, for, for, for all the talk of being upset, I don't think I don't think anyone should be that upset about it, really. Mm. Are there any other headlines around? What have, or what have you seen? I've seen um, it's basically a lot of sort of fill fill pieces in between when games happen, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, the the one deal that's that has intrigued me, um, if I can use that phrase, is, is Jerome Sinclair to Watford. Yeah, he's an interesting one, isn't it? The, he's a talented kid. I'll give him that. Very good striker. Because I, I think that could be a, a really kind of um, interesting move because he promises a lot. I and mean, you've had talks about him off air. I'm just curious to see what he, he does because I always kind of admire when a team seems to fly a little bit left of, of centre on that and, and try and do something a bit different in the market. Well, I mean, he's definitely been good. Uh, definitely was good for Liverpool. I just think Liverpool didn't have space for him um, uh, within the wage structure. Uh, and Liverpool mm. essentially have lost another player there to uh, essentially wage demands, really. Um, and that is part of the the problem with, I think, what Liverpool have done in recent years, which is to recruit from London. And I think a lot of people from that area probably look to move back south at some point or move to a more media-centric area. Um, and, you know, I, I respect what Klopp says, which is, you know, we want to... You know, if someone wants to go, we want to build a club with people who want to be here, not with people who don't want to be here. Um, mm. And that, I, you know, I agree. I think that's a very admirable approach. But at the same time, it means that you probably will miss out on some real talents. And I fear, I don't fear, I mean, you know, I think Liverpool have got some great talent anyway, but I think Sinclair will be one of those. Well, that's the thing. He's cost them £4 million, which yeah. is the tribunal kind of works out on a lot of different parameters. But the, the thing I'm finding now, I had a chat with a guy called Jake Cohen. Um, who's a sports lawyer based in Manchester, originally from Boston. And we were talking about Chelsea's approach and this mountains of youngsters. And the way he broke it down made me kind of reassess the way I look at transfers entirely. Why? Um, so if we use Sinclair as an example, so it's it's four million, I think he signed a four-year deal. Yep. So your initial outlay is a million a year. Then his wages is what, say 25 a, a week, something like that? Um, so I, no, I, think, I think it may be a little bit more than that, actually, because I think Liverpool, yeah, uh, maybe just a little bit more than that, but yeah, not much more, because Liverpool, I think Liverpool were going with 10, but I can't remember. So, so for argument's sake, we'll say 40. That in itself is 160 uh, a month, about 1.3, 1.4 in a year. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, yep. That means you're you're spending two million a year, one point five every year that you've got them, one point five for argument's sake. Yeah. Say you come to sell him in two years' time, I'd wager, assuming he hasn't forgotten how to play football, you can get about two million. So your actual loss at that point becomes about one point 
Actually, no. One point five. Your your loss becomes about a million. Well, if you, you actually succeed, yeah, your investment becomes a million. Yeah, yeah. Your investment is is at that point a million pounds that you've lost out on. Yeah. Um, if he succeeds, he arguably becomes worth double, triple, quadruple, yeah. maybe ten, even I mean, more. That outlay. Very arguably, you could sell someone like Jerome Sinclair for ten million in a couple of years' time. A because he's English. Uh, B because he'll probably be on the fringe of a squad by that point. Uh, and C because you know, j- just because he's he's probably one of those players that will mature like that. Exactly, and and for that reason, it makes it makes such sense. And and I found it a really interesting way to to look at it. And and my, to be honest, my in general, my chat with with Jake was an exceptionally interesting one because he is someone who kind of openly admits he doesn't understand the minutiae of football as a game, but he does really get the financials. And then. Having spoken to him, he most definitely does. Um, I'd be very curious to sit down and talk to him about the the Hulk move that's that's just gone through. Yeah, it's a pretty today. fascinating one, really, isn't it? I mean, you know, we we all know we all know what Svenigans wants, Svenigans gets, but that's a lot of fucking money for that guy. It is. No, you're right. It is a it is a huge amount of money. Um, he is an exceptionally talented player, mm-hmm. and I I sense. I sense as well, while not justifying the fee uh, in its entirety, I, I think he will likely sell a good amount of shirts. He is, of course, going back to Asia as well because he played for Tokyo Verdi um, very early in his career before he joined Potter. Yes, uh, although of course that that I, I see what you're saying, but then that is a you know that's very similar to almost saying you know he he was in uh, Portugal and then he moved to England. Um, or yes. maybe even I mean maybe even more maybe it's like suicide saying you know you're in Ukraine and then you move to England um, well that I was just it was more a curiosity because I remember watching him for Tokyo Verdi and he was a a flat track bully I think at best is, is the way to put it and he also played for uh, Kawasaki Frontal as well so he's he is not completely alien to uh, to playing Asian football and, and like the Asian champions League, I would have thought and it's always a good excuse to get someone with your accent to say Kawasaki so, um, <laughs> hey, is, if that's the only reason to get you on the pod anyway. Um, excellent stuff. Uh, Barcelona obviously say they're going to put uh, Neymar on a five-year deal in the coming days. Um, Chris, uh, Alkmaar's Janssen apparently been subject mm. to a Tottenham bid. Do you know a lot about him? Yeah, so he's, he's, he is very young. Mm-hmm. I think the best way to look at his career is it's been a very sharp rise very quickly um, okay. so he's, he's 22 which again you can decide yourself if you consider that young for a player these days and he was at Almere City where he scored boatloads of goals in the second tier and then he's come up to, to RZ this season and done pretty much the same thing the, the only I think concern you have with him it kind of falls back into a general concern about strikers and Dutch football in general is it can be a league that is deceptive relative to talent. And in the games against Ajax and, and I, th- I think Feyenoord as well, it just wasn't really the most present. He wasn't influencing things, dictating things. And, and it goes back to that thing we talked about, flat track bullies. There is a a small air of that about him and, and his goal record um, and him being that flat track bully. Spurs are a curious one though because they seem to be finally understanding um, how to actually identify young talent correctly and and also develop it. So I will be curious to 
to see if this one progresses. I think in relation just quickly to the Barcelona thing, I'm very interested to know where all their money is coming from because they have also just signed Samuel Mtiti as well from, from Lyon. Yes. Uh, I think we're all curious now where that money is coming from. But we may find out very soon uh, in other places through other avenues. Um, I wonder why people are persecuting so many of their players for tax avoidance. Anyway, uh, before we do move on, um, we pre- preview Wales-Belgium real quick. Uh, in the next few days, we will talk about the Dnipro situation and just the overall league situation in Ukraine, uh, which is fairly bizarre. But something that we've been discussing behind the scenes at TF3. Uh, Chris, Wales-Belgium next up. Uh, it, when I say bizarre, I mean tragic and terrible in football terms. Uh, Wales-Belgium in the next few days, uh, in, today, essentially, is the next day, um, Preview this one for me. I mean, it's it's a, a, a team of potential bales against a team of people surrounding bale. Yeah, that's the thing. The thing is, I know Bale said that every player in that Wales team knows what their job is. I get the feeling their job is much like the players on uh, Bel Air Prep's basketball team: <laughs> pass the ball to Will. Yeah. Um, I, I admire a lot of what Will's represent I just have this feeling and partly it's because I poo-pooed them as dark horses for this tournament anyway yeah. that the ride stops here um, the, the one fly in the ointment of that theory is Mark Wilmot's inability to to put Belgium in, in the yeah. best position to succeed because again he started De Bruyne the best number 10 that Belgium have out wide for the tournament and then he he does learn from his mistakes the problem is in international football and knockout football you can't really afford to make a mountain of mistakes Good point, yeah. Uh, and, and that is partly why there are certain people banned in this game. Uh, Vermaelen is obviously out on um, a suspension. Um, I actually think he's the only one who's on suspension in this game. However, Ashley Williams dislocated his shoulder in the last game and the Tongan looks unlikely as well. Um, Chris, of the two, Ashley Williams is probably going to be the bigger miss for Wales. And you, I mean, you probably say that he'll, he'll play for them if there's even an inkling that he can, right? I think he'll he'll push himself through if he can, but even even then. But Chris, he can't move his arm, as what the <laughs> savage said. Um, if if he's if he's limited physically, there becomes a point where, for all his talent, he is actually more of a burden than a blessing, yeah. um, and and he he becomes a target. You know, he becomes the the member of the herd that they all try and attack because they know he's not physically fit and. That's Again, the worry is, if you're playing Belgium, isn't it? It is, it is. And, and you know, with, with Belgium having such an aerial presence, that will be, I think, a, a huge test for, for Wales. Um, but again, they've, you know, they've made me look incredibly silly throughout this tournament, so I wouldn't be surprised if they went and did it again. Yeah, the home nation that could go through in this round. Uh, it, like they say, it is uh, a team of individuals against a team in this one. Uh, the way that Wales will line up, I'm wondering if, if with Ashley Williams they could go to three at the back, Chris. They could. That would, would be a solid idea because they have some decent full-backs that I think could play wing-back tonight. Like Sir Neil Taylor, Chris Gunter, Ben Davies, I think they've got those options. I think it does give them a good structure as well and a good stability. And on the, the flip side, from a defensive end, it will limit the potential of, of those wide players that I think Belgium have some real quality in. Mm. Um, it's whether Coleman is willing to be adventurous, which sounds a bizarre way to characterise a five-man defence. 
but adventurous in the sense of it changes what he's done and what he's prepared them for. Mm, uh, good point. And, and in fairness, these two met in qualifying as well, so I would imagine he'll have a good, firm grasp of, of what he's trying to achieve against this team and, and how to, to do their most damage. I remember watching the game in Wales between these two, and the last sort of 10, 15 minutes really was Wales camped in their own half, just kicking any ball as far as they could when it came near them. Good point, and uh, we may see that again in this game. Uh, obviously, things have worked well for Wales before, and people always reference their uh, qualifying uh, advantage over Belgium that they got. At least mentally, that might help them, even for the shortest amount of time. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's been fantastic to have you. Uh, we will see you but maybe tomorrow, maybe later in the week. Definitely. Cheers, man. Have a good one. Uh, people can go find you, K Hennage, uh, on Twitter, K H E N. E A G E, and of course he's writing on the front three dot com three the numeral three. He's a fantastic guy. He's a fantastic writer, and we will see you guys again soon with some more fantastic guys, less fantastic writers uh, tomorrow. Until then, let us know on Twitter how you guys are doing at the front three. Your thoughts on the game are very much appreciated, and we will try and include them if you guys want us uh, to. And we'll see you again real soon. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right here.